Vec Neal is a designer, photographer, and illustrator from Blythe, Georgia. Whether he's creating work for a client or sharing his own artistry, whatever Vec puts his hands and heart into is usually very communicative and emotional. And I'm excited to spend some time with him to learn how he discovered his art journey and how that path led him to the Cabbage Town Atlanta neighborhood he now calls home. This is Arts and Ideas, and I'm Floyd Hall. Funding for this program is provided by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners. I'm Floyd Hall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with a visual artist, Vec Neal. Vec, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, sir. Hello, Internet. Man, I'm glad that we have this chance to connect because I feel like we cross paths in very, like, unexpected ways for very brief moments, but we haven't really had a chance to, like, connect and talk. So I'm glad to have a moment with you to do to do that. Um, and so I, I, I guess just to even start this off, um, what's, what's informing your world right now? Just like, like what's sort of dancing around in your head? Any ideas, um, any favorite projects, any songs, just kind of like, like what's, what's sort of occupying your headspace these days? Um, good question. <laughs> I think we all have a lot over our minds, especially like, you know, living this 2020 life. Uh, but, you know, I, one of the things I think uh, where I've just decided to be is uh, self-exploration and also um, being more proactive and not reactive. Uh, so that's that's what's really my moves and what I've been experiencing. And even to I mean, you mentioned music, I've been really getting into a lot of lo-fi hip hop. I'm not, you know, I've been giving that a lot of play, a lot of rotation. Awesome. That sounds good. So. I would love to really start at the beginning for you. Like, tell me about your home life. What was what was your home life like? You know, what were what were the the sounds of that space for you? The the visuals for that space for you? Like, what was happening? Where were you? Where'd you grow up? And kind of like, what was that? What was that scene like? I'm originally from Blythe, Georgia. Uh, that's spelled B Y. Uh, L-T-H-E and a few people like Blythe that sounds so weird uh, but you know anything that's taken from the Bible you can already tell I can already tell you it's going to be very rural and southern uh, but I grew up in Blythe um, it's kind of on the outskirts of uh, Augusta, Georgia kind of behind Fort Gordon if you're familiar with Augusta, Georgia which is known for the Masters and golf and all different things that I'm really not all about but uh, yeah but my life story kind of, or my journey, or basically my origin, I might as well say, uh, was just being this country kid where we were very much like Sandlot kids. Um, I'm the middle child of two brothers. We're all three years apart. And uh, my life kind of was just uh, all about just kind of playing outside and basketball, riding bikes, uh, playing baseball, football, all types of different sports. 
And when I wasn't like being really uh, hanging out with all the neighbor kids, uh, I would just be kind of in my room, uh, just kind of passing the time because, you know, it's not that much in the country. And I, I did a lot of that passing of that time uh, through just the arts. And that was like singing, that was playing the instrument, uh, the saxophone, and that was drawing. And I would have a little sketchbook and just kind of draw what I saw and uh, just kind of pass the time, uh, kind of just being a creative at an early age. When I think about country life, um, I have I have family who's from that Augusta area, so I kind of can like envision what that was like for you. Um, even at that early age, you know, middle school, even maybe even high school, what were you imagining for yourself? Like, what, what were you thinking about? Like, what were you making your world out, out to be? So the one thing about me, <clears throat> I almost I almost felt like people thought I was kind of special. And it wasn't any, it was all like, um, it was all like responses to things that we just didn't know. Such as like, um, I didn't know I needed glasses when I was really young. Uh, so a lot of things I didn't really understand because I couldn't see it well. The second thing is um, you don't really hear a real, a real Southern accent. Sometimes you hear it, but I have a very lazy tongue, but I have a speech impediment. And I couldn't, the funny thing is I couldn't say words with N's and L's. Uh, I would confuse those letters. Like if I, like if a pair of shoes, I would call it likey. Or if I had like a, I would say, oh, I have a, a, a I love you would be like, I, I love you. And I took speech uh, for a little bit. And then, you know, I also was like a chubby kid. So I had like all this, all the signs of a nerd, you know. And so my world was, I felt like I kind of wanted to hide. I didn't want to really have attention to me. And so like doing the arts uh, allowed me to kind of hide. And uh, and one of the things I would get lost in was finding notebook, finding like magazines, like jet cover magazines uh, from my mom and fashion catalogs that she would read. And I would try to uh, recreate those. And so I would just, uh, and then when I wasn't doing that, uh, I also, you know, we came from a large family. Uh, my mom was the only woman out of uh, seven brothers. And so all my uncles were people who worked with their hands and they had a lot of old cars uh, and they kind of collected old cars. So my my note, my sketchbook would be uh, me drawing their old vehicles, uh, me drawing whatever I could find uh, within my mom's magazines, and then just kind of life, like, you know, flowers and trees and uh, that oh, the homes that we all kind of made, that my family made and stuff. So that was kind of like my life was just hiding out in my sketchbook and hiding out into to like art, you know. Take me through your um your sort of academic walk. You know, when did okay. you begin to sort of um dive deeper into the arts and and apply that to 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 school or just sort of see a, a, a pathway for yourself um through the arts? Um as far as, you know, high school or, or you know, as you begin to kind of just, you know, evolve as a young man. Yeah, um, as <laughs> the, I can say the first time I was like, oh, man, this art might be something. Uh, I remember taking a test, and I think it was either a math test or a science test, uh, and I did not know the answers. I just wasn't prepared, and I remember uh, turning the paper over 
and drawing the teacher uh, sitting at the desk waiting for everyone to complete the test. And I was just like, man, I was like, I don't know the answers. I'm answering this the best, but I'm not going to stress myself out. So I'm just going to draw the professor uh, and everything I saw. And so by the time the test was over, uh, you know, I had this portrait of the uh, the teacher. And I knew, you know, I didn't do a good job, but I remember getting that pet, the test back and the teacher wrote in the paper, uh, you got something special here with your art. Yeah, <laughs> of course, you know, I got like a D or a C, but it was the fact that the professor was happy with the portrait. And he's like, hey, can I keep this? You know, and that's when I was like, okay, I can kind of float here. I can get a little by, like people won't hate me if I fail a class, if I can do this art thing. So to answer your complete question, though, I was at a public high school. And if I'm not mistaken, I feel like I was actually, I went to Heptabah, uh High. And I transitioned around like maybe ninth, ninth or 10th grade. I think ninth grade, I, I got into the, the fine arts school. And the way I was, in the way I was kind of discovered, uh, my mom was out and about and I was in my sketchbook. Uh, and one of the one of the teachers at the uh, art at the art high school uh, just randomly as my mom shop and kind of saw my my work and she's like you need to audition like what's your son's name I want to help you all get into this this school because he has talent and just like that I auditioned for the school when I say audition you literally had to audition you had to um, play an instrument. You had to uh, deliver a speech. You had to take a math course, a science course, and you had to take an art course. And just how I kind of drew the teacher, uh, I remember later one of the teachers who 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 auditioned me in. She said, "You were the first kid ever. Like they had this one test you had to do. You had to draw a plant, and they sit it down, and you draw the plant, and you have like maybe 20 minutes to draw the plant." And she said, "I remember you, and then you had to go to the school because." You were the only person that drew the plant, drew the teacher, drew the classroom, and drew your hand. And within 20 minutes, you drew everything you saw. Uh, and that was really what got me into the school. They were like, yo, this is the art thing. And throughout that, I mean, I, was, I was, wasn't – academically, it took me a lot to focus. But so it was like I had to find little tricks to make myself really pay attention and to excel and to like, you know, get in that, get stay in that school. And the thing is, even with that school, if you test it lower than like a C or, yeah, lower than a C two times, they would kick you out. So it was always like a struggle with that. And then after I graduated school, I kind of said, you know, this art thing, this feels right. Um, let me uh, Let me actually submit to go to SCAD. I went to SCAD Savannah, and the thing is, I didn't even know anything about the SCAD. Uh, it was a, a recruiter that came down at my at the uh, the fine the Magnet Art High School that I went to, and one of my buddies went to that recruiter or brought that recruiter back in, and he wanted me to take a tour uh, with him uh, and to, to Savannah. So his mother drove us down, and 
Yeah, that was the first time I saw SCAD, Savannah, and heard about SCAD, Savannah, and I was just, like, blown away. And I felt, like, really connected. I was like, oh, my goodness, like, there's a world of creatives, and, like, there's people who just like me, and, you know, there's a major, and I really didn't know what I wanted to major in, uh, but I was like, okay, I can draw, so let me major in illustration, you know, see how what that what's that like. So when did you first find your comfort zone? You know, um, at at SCAD, after SCAD, when did you hit your stride or really understand what you what you could do, what was what was possible for you to do? Um, when did that all crystallize for you? There were two occasions uh, where it, when it all crystallized for me. Uh, the first was, and I, I keep going back to this magnet art school. Um, but this man at art school, like I said, was the number one in the state of Georgia, you know, and it was the very first time, like, it was actually a lot harder than SCAT. I'm not going to lie. SCAT was, to me, SCAT was like summer camp, the whole, my whole four years. I, I had a great time. I graduated Madden Pilati at SCAT, uh, and, but it was honestly that high school, and it was the first time, like, I felt like it all just felt right when I was just working among other artists. And like, I still have relationships uh, and friendships with these artists to this day, but it was just sitting down, having um, kind of like a board in my lap with a sheet of paper and just sketching or drawing or even painting. It just felt like, it just felt like I was in my groove. It felt like I had control. It felt like I was like connecting uh, to something I've never connected before. And I think it was just that environment of creativity. Uh, and then I remember the second time, it was, uh, this time it was at SCAD, and it was like, as I was graduating, it just kind of all clicked. I understood, or better yet, the major of illustration felt right for me, uh, even though I didn't know I wanted to be an illustrator. And it felt right because it was like this, it was problem solving. And the thing was, it was like, use one image to communicate a story. You can't not unlike like sequential art, we use multiple images or um, even with um, other other like designs, like you only have this one shot to tell a story. And that's when I start to connect more with conceptual art, even though I, at the time I didn't understand it, I, like, like I understand it now uh, and how that's kind of like how I like to problem solve. But it was like illustration major and like ending that, ending my career, ending my uh, education at SCAD and about the transition to the world, I just knew like, oh, I like to problem solve and I can use this this one sheet of paper to tell a tell a story full circle. What was your self-discovery process like, if you will, in in leaving SCAD, stepping into the professional space um, with this illustration background, but slowly beginning to, I guess, expand and evolve into what we would call a a creative, you know, whether it be a designer or a photographer, um, a thinker. Um, what was that evolution like for you? When I uh, I graduated in 2004, and I would say I had like four years before the economy, uh, before the recession. But within that four years, you know, I had this idea of that, okay, I'm going to be this illustrator, and, you know, I'm going to work uh, on like Card like uh, editorial illustration for magazines, and you know I thought I understood like my path and my ability, and 
I, you know, I must say I did have some success. Uh, I ended up working with Meat and Potatoes and Mike. Uh, uh, oh, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, he's a photographer out in New York, but we did. Uh, I did the illustration for a Keisha Cole album. I did an illustration for uh, Kelly Clarkson album, and I was starting to do more work uh, with just like drawing, and um, and then like the economy crash. But the funny thing was, I knew like if you're an artist that just got out of school, you know, especially in a field that's starting to um, not be as popular, like when you when you're thinking about like computer versus hand drawing, uh, I had I knew I had to go move to a city. And I wanted to move to Chicago, but Atlanta was closer to my family. So I moved to Atlanta. And at the time, man, I mean, Atlanta was, I felt like it was like kind of the wild, wild west for creatives. You know, a lot of, a lot of people wasn't really given a shine. And I realized like the only jobs I could get uh, were just like jobs that weren't in my field. But I made this like rule, I made this uh rule to myself or this bet to myself i was like if i'm going to work I have to have some sort of creativity to it and i always like stayed true to look for work that was creative i remember working at aaron's framing uh aaron's aaron brothers they're like a frame shop and like a photo gallery so i spent a, a couple uh, spent like maybe a year or two there like learning how to frame learning how to um uh present artwork you know uh within like that whole framing conversation and then um i remember too uh working at pier one you know and uh and it was like i became the guy that could like decorate uh like get a vase and some fake flowers and make it look really cool and people start coming in and being like oh can you help me with this arrangement or could you help me with like the interior of it and then i remember that got me a job working at cantoni which was a showroom where I would wake up every day, make sure all the beds were um, nice and neat, the pillows were fluff and the walls were painted and moving furniture. So I got into more like showroom design and I did that for maybe three or four years. And then that ended up getting me into a job where I traveled around the US uh, working for a team, uh, Ray and Jay for the GO team. And we, I ended up doing murals and doing graphic design uh, flyers for them it was all like for the Georgia Mart and then some of the um, apparel Mart uh, work for the Appleman showroom that's downtown. And you like, it was all these little, little like <laughs> jobs that were creative that I kept like getting uh, high, on a higher level within like creativity. And then like after that showroom, uh, working in the showroom and traveling around the U.S., uh, doing like a you know showroom and making props, I got into exhibits and trade show, you know, and it was this just like really if you could look at it sequentially, I started out as a graphic, I started out as an illustrator that became um, a visual artist that made things with his hands. Then that ended up transitioning to being to in, into doing graphic design, which then that came into uh, doing. Uh, video and photography and like kind of where people see me now which then that kind of got me to now this whole uh strategy and idea shaping and visualization coach of doing all these different mediums and being able to like still pull from what i've said about illustration like what's the solution how do you solve a problem uh to like this creative thinker so with all of your 
all of your you know stops or even all of your steps rather um both as an individual artist as well as working with other artists or other businesses or entities right um how do you negotiate this what i call this pendulum of agency versus permission um Mm. i think a lot of artists are usually in a space of trying to seek permission to do you know to do work you know if you're applying for a grant or you're asking a building owner to let you do a mural right you're sort of working in that space of asking for permission but also you have a lot of agency to create things that can really shape how people see the world so i i i wonder how you either navigate that or how you have seen others navigate that sort of sliding scale of having agency but also having to ask for permission to do or have space for your work if that makes sense yeah i totally get it um one thing i try to tell artists or even to i'm like i would say it's not how it used to be you know i think technology changed a lot uh of things and our, our culture and social media and everything um but it's not how it used to, used to be so you can't follow old rules and there's one uh, particular situation that made me see uh, the separation between uh, what my work is and the work that I do for others. I was working at an architecture firm, uh, surprisingly enough, <laughs> and um, great place, but I was responsible for doing um, all the Photoshop renderings uh, of just like the elevation. And I remember it was very demanding work i had to do like you know color and draw and paint really quickly uh and i remember was it maybe that first year i was working i i felt like kind of sick and i felt sick and i went to the doctor and i realized that it was um i couldn't like um i couldn't digest food i you know I was like oh this is a problem i couldn't digest food <laughs> you know and I talked to the doctor and I was like, what's going on? He took an x-ray and he's like, oh yeah, you like, it looks like, you know, you're not digesting your food right. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? And he's like, um, I think you're stressed. He's like, the body has a really weird way of uh, showing, like showing stress and it's different for different people. And then, you know, and if I talk like to a holistic person, they would say, oh, that's my throat chakra, you know, and that's all about not being able to communicate what your problems are. But, you know, but I remember being stressed because I had so much work and it was this time where I would give an assignment and I would do the assignment. And then I felt like the assignment was taken from me before I could really finish. And it was because I was putting myself into the work in a way where I made it like it was mine. And I mean, I think that's a great way. You really do amazing work when you can shift like that. Um, especially if it's not within your style, but you're, you're, you're doing it for like an employer or a firm or a business. And I made the choice. I was like, I can't be stressed and I can't. So I told myself like, it's like a puzzle, the puzzle that I'm working on in that process, I'm going to do the best I can to build this puzzle, but it's not my puzzle. And so the separation came with when I'm at the job to do the puzzle the best of my ability, but when I get out of the job, to create my own puzzles. And this is what goes back to what I'm saying, like the world's not set up the same way. Not everybody can make, can have one job and pay all their bills. I feel like as a modern day creative, you have to like wear a lot of hats and you have to show some sort of balance. 
and that balance usually is like income making, you know, you're going to have multiple revenues of income, like just happening. And so for me, I like to continue making my own art outside of my career or my job, you know? And so that's the kind of answer to your question. I think there's a separation. And I think we now have to be inventive and we, I think we have to do the puzzle, but we also have to have our own puzzles to work on. So what, what, what makes you say yes to certain projects? You know, as someone who's done a lot with a lot of people, both um, when it comes to assisting or with your own projects, what makes you say yes to an idea or to a concept or to a project? What makes me say yes to a project is the con is the idea of growth. So as someone who does a lot uh, during like, you know, nine to five, uh, and like I said, I keep it kind of separate. I say yes to projects that I feel like I can grow from because I already am challenged, you know, with my career, with what I do to keep my lights on. So the last thing I want to do is be this ball of stress, you know, and I think whenever I'm learning, whenever I'm grow, whenever I'm learning, I'm growing. And to collaborate, and that's the thing, a lot of, I don't think really a lot of people understand the conversation of collaboration. Collaboration doesn't always mean that, you know, everybody, um, I think with, I'll say this, and I think a lot of ATLNs understand this, where it sometimes it seems like collaboration is so unbalanced. It's someone finding you to do something for them, and you really don't gain anything other than being able to advertise what you've done. And that doesn't feel like collaboration to me. Uh, I say yes to projects where it feels like, wow, we mutually uh, got something out of this, you know, or, or and that something could be a, a price uh, uh, money. <laughs> that something can be a relationship. That something can be uh, access. And I always, I always tell other artists, I was like, I'd rather have access than money because, you know, access can take you so much further than money will ever, ever, ever. You know, it's like, oh, you want to work on this project? Uh, that's what Access does. So so tell me, given all of your, your different moves, both, you know, housing-wise, career-wise, artistically, um, if you could point to maybe one or two decisions that you felt really made the difference in, in you personally or professionally or just, you know, even spiritually, um, what would you say um, – would 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 be, you know, that pivotal decision or pivotal two decisions that you made. Uh, the first pivotal pivot pivot. Uh, you've messed me up on the words. I'm trying to see my lazy tongue here. <laughs> pivotal decision uh, was never, never straying from the art art artist life. Never straying. Like it was times where I was like, okay, to make money, I can flip a burger here. You know, or I could like you know help some help move things or work in the warehouse, but that whole not ever giving up on some kind of artist conversation has was really just like 
was really just me being connected to uh, my journey, you know, and, and my success for right now. Just to never lose faith, even if it was even if it was something I didn't want to do, to find art within that and then just focus with that. I, I, I think just, yeah, staying true to my creative voice. Uh, yeah, staying true to my creative voice was the first choice where, like, yeah, this is right. This is going to help me uh, get more aligned. Um, I think the second choice was, um, and I'm just going to think for just one second, because it's a, it's a number of things, uh, but I think just self-acceptance. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like any other creative. And I can honestly say I'm not like any other creative because uh, I would say because of my vulnerability. And, and also that vulnerability really comes from how I was, how I grew up to being so different and to be able to like love, fall, like do that work and fall in love with who you are. That's, that's been such, such a, such a huge difference uh, to, between me and any other creative and success especially the conversation of success. Uh, I one time was talking about uh, the one thing that makes Atlanta folks so different. And I remember basically saying authenticity, you know? And even when you look at like anybody who's come out of Atlanta, we can just say outcast. They were their authentic self. Big boy was big boy. Dre was Dre. And people celebrated it. And the more you start to see uh, the businesses that you like, the artists that you like, um, the ones that especially come from this city of Atlanta, it's a conversation of authenticity. And so when you just really fall into, it's like, this is who I really am. And I'm going to keep moving in this direction uh, of alignment. That's when, you know, I, I think nobody can, nobody can knock that. On a tangent, you know, from that from that point, I feel like a lot of people, um, as adults, um, kind of find that that alignment that you talk about um, through a lot of self reflection, maybe even some therapy, um, mm-hmm. and really just trying to like do some some personal work. Um, how do you maintain that perspective? Do you do you do therapy? Do you have a, a spiritual practice? Do you do you meditate? Like, what is your what is your way of of um, sustaining that particular perspective for yourself? My checks and balances uh, to is like I I mean I, number one I have to say like art is therapy for me uh, and art and I know that may sound cliche but if you really start to think about the way uh, you create there's a lot of moments where you're thinking about, um, you're really exploring your own thoughts. And to be really in tune with your own thoughts of like, okay, this is what, this is how, this is how this makes me feel. And this, now that I have this feeling and I can, I've identified this feeling, uh, I need to express it. I need to make it into something that actually exists. And now that I've made it to something that actually exists that like sits on this paper or lays on this canvas or is within this design solution, um, I 
can see like holistically, you know, um, like who I am and, 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 and just like uh, that situation, that problem or that joy. And so to not many people spend so much time with their thoughts and our artistry does that. It makes us so close to how we're feeling. Uh, but the second check and balance that I have is a fellowship and to really have friends um, that you don't have to talk to all the time and it's cool. Or to have friends where you're like, I have a problem with this and I want to talk about it and it's cool. Or, you know, you said something I didn't really like and um, can we work this out and it's cool. Uh, just to have those people in your life uh, is a huge, huge, huge uh, stress reliever. Uh, so, and then I think the last check and balance is um, just, to just to be aligned with your passion. Uh, and it's so, people don't know this, man. People just really don't understand and don't know this, that once you are connected with your passion, you are your best self. When I am doing what I really, really love, and I'm doing it with um, other people, it's my best self shines. My best, my best self comes through. So, yeah, just to reiterate, like, you know, working within my passion makes me a better person. Having a community, uh, of like, sometimes not even like-minded, but people who actually care about uh, you and you're able to talk to. And then the last, just like the artistry of just self-exploration and putting your feelings, you know, on a sheet of paper or within like some sort of solution. Those are like my therapy. Well, as we wrap up, uh, Zach, I always like to ask people um, about words because I think words have power and words are interesting. Um, and, you know, they just are, are a platform for other other ideas and thoughts. Um, what is what is your favorite word? I discovered my favorite word. Uh, you remember when we used to have like vocab books? And I don't even remember what grade that was, but I remember the first time I heard this word, the first time I saw this word, I just really loved it. Uh, and the word is aspire. It's spelled with an A, not to be confused with expire, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny because it's completely the opposite. Uh, but aspire, uh, and the word aspire means to um, rise, to go for a challenge, and to uh, just to like, you know, imagine like a star shooting up. You're aspiring to your goals. Uh, I've always loved that word and it's always stayed with me. Um, and then too, just to be silly, uh, the second word I really like is igloo. It's just fun to say and it's really cool to look at when it's written down and spelled. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> aspire and igloo, which are like completely, you know, separate from each other. But those are my favorite words. Vec, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you just sharing so much of yourself and your perspective. And I'm glad that we were able to do this. Oh yeah, man. Thank you so much for inviting me. And um, yeah, I can't wait to uh, listen to some other folks that you uh, record. I think this is a really great idea and I just love the opportunity. Thank you so much.